Brussels Bytes, a podcast about technology, digital society, and European policy. Brought to you by the Martin Center with Dimitar Lilkov. TikTok is an incredibly popular application. Most people think it's just a fun platform for sharing dance videos and other internet memes. The reality though, is it operates as a very sophisticated surveillance application, pulling everything from search and browsing history, keystroke patterns, potentially biometrics, and all of that can be accessed from inside Beijing. Hi friends. This was the voice of Commissioner Brandon Carr, who is part of the leadership of the influential US Federal Communications Commission, or FCC for short. Previously, Commissioner Carr has also served as the agency's general counsel and a lawyer by trade. Brendan Carr has 20 years of private and public sector experience in communications and tech policy. Brendan, it's an honor to have you on our podcast. So good to be with you. Thanks so much for having me. Look forward to the discussion. Yeah, th- thanks for joining a European audience. Um, before we, we start talking about TikTok, maybe you can tell us just a bit uh, about the FCC and your work at the agency. Yeah, it's a great question. So the FCC, Federal Communications Commission, uh, is an agency here in the U.S. The easy way to think about it is sort of a mini Congress that's focused on tech and telecom issues. So generally, we have five commissioners. Three will be of the president's political party. Two uh, will be of the opposition party. So I'm a Republican. I was in the majority during the last presidential administration, and my term continues to run, uh, although I'm moving into the minority now. Uh, but it's a lot of fun. We work on broadcast issues, wireless issues. We try to free up spectrum. We've done a lot trying to get 5G going in this country. And so it's a really interesting time to be at the agency. Hmm. Um, for some time now, you've been quite, quite vocal about the threats posed by TikTok. Why are you concerned, Brandon? Well, look, I think TikTok is an immensely popular application. Here in the US, for instance, something like two-thirds uh, of all teens, or actually just over two-thirds of all teens are on TikTok. And most people look at TikTok and they think it's just a fun platform for sharing dance videos or other internet memes. The reality, though, is it operates as a very sophisticated surveillance technology. So the risk is that uh, TikTok pulls everything from search and browsing history, keystroke patterns, potentially biometrics, according to their terms of service, which could be face prints and voice prints. And for years, TikTok told U.S. government officials, don't worry, uh, none of this data is stored in China. We have lots of protections. But over this past summer, there was some bombshell new reporting that came out that showed, according to internal TikTok communications, that in fact, quote, everything is seen in China. So we at the FCC have a role to play with securing U.S. communications networks. We've done it at the hardware level, taking action on Huawei and ZTE. And we've seen really a global effort there. And applications is naturally the next place to look because if we have secure hardware in our communications networks, but insecure applications running that are pulling even more data than regular hardware in the network can get, then we're not putting forth a comprehensive, secure approach. And so that's why I've sort of lended my voice to a growing, really bipartisan chorus here in Washington and in states across the country that are raising very serious concerns with TikTok. Yeah, talking about bombshells, last November, we also had a similar uh, scandal in Europe where um, uh, a TikTok uh, official press release basically said, yeah, part of the data is being processed in China. Um, We also had signals that uh, journalists have been profiled on on, on TikTok. So this is growing in Europe as well. Um, But Brendan, why is this different? Because you're, you're talking about surveillance, talking about keystrokes. 
we've seen these problems with other tech companies as well, no? Yeah, there's a baseline level of concern that I have with all applications, including ones that have their headquarters you know, right here in Silicon Valley in the U.S. There's work going on in our Congress right now to try to put some better baseline protections in place. But at the end of the day, those companies are operating in a capitalist environment. Uh, there's independent judiciary. There are some protections put in place. But when your corporate reporting chain goes back to Beijing, there's sort of a different level of concern. And frankly, there's two separate buckets of concern. The first is national security. There's a lot more we can unpack there. But the second is harm to children, to minors. So there's increasing studies, including one that was reported on here in the New York Times a couple of weeks ago that said that accounts on TikTok set up for 13-year-old girls were feeding self-harm and eating disorder content within 30 minutes. And in some cases within minutes. Uh, we have examples of the blackout challenge, which encourages young people to strangle themselves to get some sort of euphoric high. And in the U.S., there's been reports of up to 15 kids, 13 and under, that have died from doing the blackout challenge. Now, compare that to the content that TikTok is feeding to the youth of China. Over there, the sister app called Doyan feeds kids museum exhibits, science experiments, educational material. And so when you look at the vast difference in the content that's being fed to kids in China by the sister app into those in the U.S. and probably in Europe as well. It's very, very concerning. That's what's led a lot of people to look at TikTok and refer to it as digital fentanyl. So there's the national security piece, which, again, there's a lot more to unpack there, but also the harm to kids. And both of those, those twin concerns are really driving a lot of the action here in, in, in the U.S. Yeah, that's a very interesting argument. I also checked the um the Chinese version of the app. And it's, it's basically an educational benign, benign app, right? And, and what they're feeding European and American kids um, is basically, I don't know, the equivalent of, I don't know, sniffing digital glue, right? <laughs> so why should we be concerned about teenagers and what can we do to actually mitigate these risks? Yeah, there's a lot we can do. And I think this is one area where it's very important for Europe and for officials in Brussels to take the lead. If you step back and look at the last four or five years, I got to give credit to my counterparts in Europe and in Brussels, because I think they've been ahead of the curve when they look at needing to hold big tech accountable. And I think this is another great opportunity for Brussels and for EU officials to show leadership. I think they're starting to do it. Uh, recently, the, the president of the European Commission noted that there are several ongoing proceedings in Europe looking at TikTok. And I think that's very, very important and they need to be protecting the data. And this is a great opportunity to take the leadership they've done on tech policy issues over the last couple of years and apply it to TikTok. In the U.S., what we're looking at is a couple of potential options. There's a process here that's sort of arcane um, that's run out of our Treasury Department that looks at foreign investment in the U.S. It's called the Committee on Foreign Investment, CFIUS for short. They've been engaged, frankly, in a two-year review of TikTok. Earlier this uh, past year, the end of the summer, beginning of the fall, there were reports that Treasury Department, the Biden administration, had reached a preliminary deal with TikTok to allow them to continue to operate here, but with new protections in place. But since then, there have been a number of national security officials within the Biden administration that have spoken out and said they don't think that preliminary deal is tough enough. And in fact, progress on reaching a final agreement off that preliminary deal have stalled according to reports based on those concerns. You have FBI director here, Chris Ray, who's gone public numerous times saying that TikTok presents a very serious threat. Our CIA director, Burns, has said it. The director of national intelligence, who's the lead in the U.S. of the intelligence community, has agreed that parents should be concerned. And our chair of uh, our Senate Intelligence Committee, Mark Warner, a Democrat from Virginia, 
has said that uh, TikTok, in his words, quote, scares the dickens out of him. And so I think where things are in the U.S. is there's a question now, including a rumor recently, that do we look at divestiture of TikTok, breaking the corporate ties back into China as a potential solution. So I've been very pleased that there's been progress in the U.S. away from that preliminary deal. But frankly, it's still yet to be determined. And it strikes me that there's an active debate inside the Biden administration about exactly what to do. And I think it'd be good to get those debates going in Europe as well, because I'm, I'm very concerned that European user data is, in fact, being accessed inside uh, Beijing as well. What about all those people who are saying that, I mean, your personal attack, Brandon, is politically motivated or the rationale behind all of this is that simply America wants to uh, push down and squash a potential competitor and make sure that Chinese companies have less of a reach, less of an advertisement revenue, less of profits in, in the States. Well, it's a bipartisan concern here in the U.S., Republicans and Democrats. We've got up to 25 now governors of our 50 states that have imposed TikTok bans. And the way I look at it, again, is my job at the FCC. My experience I bring to bear is dealing with entities that have ties back into the CCP and are involved in malign or nefarious data flows. And again, we start with Huawei and ZTE. We look at carriers like China Mobile and China Telecom. I think it's a natural extension of that work to look at uh, TikTok as well. But I've got my fair share of concerns with U.S.-based technology companies. In fact, I've written to Apple and Google in particular um, and asked them to remove TikTok from the App Store based on malign data flows. I've got a lot of concerns about U.S. technology companies with respect to censorship and free speech. Uh, But I think, again, TikTok presents a very unique threat. In fact, we saw that ahead of our midterm elections here in the U.S., Um, There was a CCP propaganda arm that stood up a TikTok account that didn't disclose the link to the government, and it was targeting selected U.S. politicians for criticism ahead of the election. So we've already seen the smoking gun. Uh, It's simply time for us to take action now. So wrapping up on on the threat side, number one, surveillance. Um, Number two is also, I, I guess, potentially manipulating of algorithms, right? I think we didn't touch upon that, but I've seen numerous reports of uh, people creating content, whatever type of information on TikTok, and and their content gets suppressed the moment when they start talking about about China or the CCP, correct? Yeah, this is concerning. I mean, there's no doubt that uh, no entity is allowed to do business in China. No corporate chain is allowed to exist with a link back to China that isn't doing one thing, which is uh, supporting the authoritarian goals of the Communist Party. And I don't imagine that TikTok is any different than that. But you're right, there's the surveillance element. Again, we touched on this briefly, but TikTok um, had had to admit in December that they were in fact surveilling the specific locations of U.S. reporters and reporters abroad that had been airing negative stories about TikTok. Initially in October, they denied that they were doing this and they finally had to come clean. So on the national security side, we have all this data that's going back to China, which can be used for foreign influence, espionage, blackmail purposes. We have admitted by TikTok that they are surveilling the locations uh, unlawfully, according to their own terms of service, uh, reporters and others that are dealing with this. And then again, we have the content side, which is uh, attempting to play a role in the U.S. elections by targeting politicians. We have the uh, issues with Blackout Challenge, with all this other sort of uh, content that's being fed to young children. And now steps forward. Um, I see that now there is a heavy process going around the states where um, employees, let's say federal employees, cannot use TikTok on their uh, governmental devices. Is this enough, though? No, that doesn't go far enough. It's it's a good step, and, it, and I'm, it, I think it shows 
the momentum that's building against TikTok. But the, the, the status quo right now is the U.S. House of Representatives in the last Congress, so when it was controlled by Democrats, imposed a ban on the use of TikTok on House devices or U.S. House of Representatives devices. Separately, um, individual states are passing bans now, as we mentioned, to prohibit the use of TikTok on state devices and state networks. And President Biden recently signed a bill, I think that you were referring to, that bans TikTok on federal devices. So all those are really good steps. I think what's important there is not only do you have all of these individuals making individual national security decisions that reach the same conclusion on TikTok, but you have consensus on the solution, which the solution is not some sort of mitigating measures to be put in place the way that the administration was thinking six or nine months ago. The solution that all of these entities are coalescing around is the idea of a full ban. That's the only thing we can do at this point to address the real threat posed by TikTok. There's also a bipartisan bill introduced at the end of our last Congress that I assume will be introduced now that our new Congress has constituted that would be a ban on TikTok nationwide, uh, commercial devices as well. And that's bipartisan. That was uh, Republican uh, Congressman Gallagher, Democrat Congressman uh, Krishnamoorthy. And some people say, well, can you really ban it? Like it's so popular. Again, two thirds of all teens in the U.S. are on it. And I would say, yes, I think TikTok is sort of uniquely positioned to be replaced. And the reason why is a lot of parents think about TikTok the way they think about other social media like Facebook or Twitter, where you're building a network of people that you know. It's your friends. It's your work colleagues. TikTok's totally different. As soon as you sign up, you're being fed content based on an algorithm from Beijing. And that one, presents unique arms, but two, it makes it uniquely replaceable because you can very quickly move to another short form video application and you don't have the network effect of you know losing all of your uh, uh, friends. Two years ago, India, if I'm not mistaken, banned TikTok because of national security concerns. And I mean, India being the biggest country in the world, um, there was the, this, this, you know, fear of a backlash or what are gonna people people gonna do without TikTok? But a couple months for, afterward, after that, people for, forgot about TikTok and you have so many homegrown Indian apps right now replacing TikTok and making people happy, <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah, exactly right. India is the world's largest democracy. They banned TikTok. I think that set an incredibly important precedent that we can do this. Uh, and to your point, there's other sort of competing apps that have filled the void. I was recently... Uh, in, in, in Taiwan, Republic of China, meeting with their officials, their digital ministry, and they subsequently imposed a ban on TikTok on, again, their version of federal, what they call public devices, and they're considering going further. So there's lots of precedent out there for taking action. Again, I think this is one where, you know, Europe has a, a long history of working to protect uh, European consumers, European data, and it, it's important that Europe step up and address TikTok the way we've seen in India and the way the U.S. is sort of slowly coming to it as well. We do have a history, but TikTok is a, almost of a non-topic. Like in the last couple of months, yeah, there's been some ripples um, in the European public discourse, but it's not on the radar fully. I mean, a couple of national leaders talk about it in Europe, yes, but the conversation is very far away from what's happening right now in the U.S., and I think that we should be concerned. We should talk more about this in Europe. But but there's the thing. We have a European Parliament elections next year. Um, and something tells me that many European leaders threat taking action against TikTok. Do you want to be the country banning TikTok in Europe? Do you want to have this headline? The EU wants to ban TikTok or France wants to ban TikTok. Do you think politicians are basically scared from moving against such a popular app? Yeah, I, do, I, I would have thought there'd be a bit quicker action in Brussels on 
TikTok. You know, again, we're seeing a broader sort of realignment on relationships with China taking place in, in Europe. And so I thought there'd be more openness to it, but we'll see. I mean, it's, it's accelerating a little bit. Uh, I'm encouraged by some of the, the, the new rhetoric and discussions taking place around it, but it'll take time. Again, to some extent, this is the pattern we saw with Huawei and ZTE. The U.S. moved first on Huawei and ZTE, uh, and then Europe sort of came around and, and took appropriately strong action as well. So we could be following the, 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 the Huawei sort of timeline and pattern with TikTok. At least I hope, that, I hope that's the case. Do you think that the Chinese are going to retaliate? Let's say smaller European countries, European regions, whatnot, they start a campaign against TikTok and then comes the CCP saying indirectly through communiques or through, you know, backdoor channels, if you're going to ban this app, your trade with China is going to suffer. It's possible. If that happens, though, I think that's sort of further evidence of the degree to which the government of China uh, is in control and playing a role with respect to TikTok. And again, we have precedent here where we've taken action on Huawei and ZTE and European countries have done that as well and obviously have continued to do a current level of uh, trade and, and other relationships they've had with China. So I do think that that is manageable. But at the end of the day, if, if European officials reach the same conclusion that U.S. ones do, that this is an unacceptable national security risk, then you have to take action, whatever the consequences may be. I fully agree. Um, let's try to focus in, in the last couple of minutes of our podcast um, on Europe and teenagers in particular. Uh, Brendan, you mentioned that two-thirds of American teens right, are using the app. I, I checked the numbers. We've got at least 100 million young Europeans below the age of 25 using TikTok on a, on a daily basis. This was the biggest, the most downloaded app in 2021 in the European Union. Um, and we see how all of these, you know, not only threats, but also the let's say the blackout challenge um challenges or ideas or content which is specifically targeted at minors is causing grievous harm and i think this is one of the best cases to say here we have a bigger problem than the general big tech uh, companies right we have an app which is causing enormous harm to young people and it seems that we're sitting on our hands yeah, you really have to understand that the threat presented by TikTok is fundamentally different than the threat from other social media platforms, as much as I have concerns with those other social media platforms. And this goes back to what I said. A lot of parents think about this and they think about it like Twitter or Facebook or something else where you have a network of your friends, your colleagues, you're watching their content. They don't understand that as soon as you go on to TikTok, you are immediately being fed without following anybody, content being driven by an algorithm in Beijing. And we're seeing increasing reports of self-harm content, eating disorder content, unhealthy exercise. Um, so it's very disturbing that you have all this content going from Beijing directly into the eyes, into the ears of so many young people. But even separate apart from this, if you step back and think about China has said that they want to dominate the world in artificial intelligence by 2030. The way they're getting there is every time you go on TikTok, every time you make a swipe, every time you spend a certain number of seconds on a video, what's really happening is you're sending data back to Beijing that is feeding, training, and improving their artificial intelligence. And they're using these data sets that they're collecting through TikTok. They're taking the learning that they're getting from that data sets in, in, in TikTok, and they're improving their AI. And their AI is going to be used for authoritarian purposes, whether it's continuing what I view as the ongoing genocide uh, in Xinjiang or other authoritarian means. So there's an entire set of problems from TikTok itself, but there's this other set of problems that come from feeding and training uh, Beijing's authoritarian algorithms by staying on this application. Yeah, all, all of this made me think, um, made me think about the Cold War. Let's say it's the 60s or the 70s. 
and and you know americans or europeans on their tv sets they have like a direct channel sponsored by the soviets or uh, or the communist china china's party and it's unfiltered content and it's it's just directly accessed by by our kids and by by our viewers okay um to, to close up the conversation um what do you think is going to happen next next couple of months and do you expect an outcry from young young americans basically saying we want to use the app stop it yeah, I do think in the U.S. at least you're going to see increased oversight on this uh, Biden administration potential deal with TikTok. Now that we have a new Congress and a change in political parties there, I think you're going to see some additional oversight. I think in the U.S. you're going to see that number of states that are taking action on TikTok continue to build. And there's been a lot of people that are predicting that the Biden administration could you know, fully and finally crack down on TikTok. That's where I predict for the U.S., for Europe, I do hope that we continue to see interest and engagement at the top levels on this issue. I know there's concerns about broader you know, trade and other issues with China how that could be impacted. But I do think it's important, given GDPR, given all of these protections that Europe has attempted to stand up with respect to large technology companies, that they need to really turn their attention and focus on the threat posed by TikTok. So step number one in Europe would be to elevate the conversation, make sure that this is not used on governmental phones, and then maybe take a step further potentially pushing ByteDance uh, to, to sell uh, to sell the app, or maybe even we see a, a full ban in national capitals, in, in national in countries or in the EU itself. Um, Brendan, this has been amazing conversations and thanks for joining our podcast. Really enjoyed it. Thanks so much. Thank you. That was today's episode of Brussels Bites. Follow us on SoundCloud for more.